Hello and welcome to Life Changes You. I'm Daniel and I hope you've had another good week. Here in Australia, we're still in lockdown at the moment, but hopefully we'll come out of that soon. Remember, our mantra is explore what you love, transform how you think and become an exceptional being. And I have an exceptional being here today from Ireland, are you Ireland? Scotland. Scotland. Sorry, I made a mistake. It's Ellis. <laughs> and I met Ellis on Instagram quite recently and she is the good shit guru. So hello, Ellis. How are you? Hello, I'm actually doing great today. Um, I don't know why I mucked up your accent because when I was hearing you talk <laughs> before, I'm thinking Scottish, Scottish, and then it's, I guess, say Ireland. <laughs> it's all right. Sometimes your your brain thinks one thing and your mouth says another. So I, I know can see that's it the happen. problem with us men. We can't think properly. <laughs> it's a problem problem with us women at times as well. I can assure you. Okay, so look, you got up nice and early on your day off, which I appreciate to come on the podcast. Um, but do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself, Ellis? Sure. So as you said, my name's Ellis. Um, I run uh, the Good Shit Guru account across Instagram. But um, my background is quite vast in its experience. As an undergraduate, I studied psychology. So I have an honours in psychology. And then I went on to do a master's in drugs and alcohol studies. Wow. Covered loads of stuff during that master's about, you know, different drug types, drug settings, uh, the war against drugs, um, legalization of uh, drugs, like those kind of debates. But of particular interest to me was um, the development of babies Yep. Um, who are exposed to drugs and alcohol during utero. Um, so when they're an embryo, basically. Wow. Um, so I went on to do some work experience at a children's diagnostic clinic yep. for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And it was amazing. Like it was, it was really harrowing, to be honest with you, but it was amazing in what it gave me in terms of you know, a young female in the world of psychology trying to, you know, expand their mind on things like this. Can I just uh, tell you that I've actually wanted to interview someone who has done what you're doing for so long and <laughs> we spoke about other things before we did the podcast and now I'm just like, this is who I wanted to speak to. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's just one of the most, so fetal alcohol spectrum disorders is one of the most um under um like people don't really know about it and yeah. they kind of are not given a great deal of knowledge on it especially you know you know some pregnant women don't even know what it is etc so it was great for my eyes to be open to a world where it was assessed diagnosed and then you know how that kind of transcends into the whole child the child's life at going through right to adulthood yeah it was that sort of phenomenon that oh goodness when a child's not even born something can affect them until like for for the rest of their life yeah that that blew my mind and I knew that in the future I wanted to do something that was humanitarian on the back of some of the emotional things that I've seen during that time I knew that I wanted to do something powerful to help people progress along as human beings together in the yeah. same room kind of thing. And when I say the same room, I mean that figuratively, 
what I ended up going on to do after my master's, I um, started as a care worker for initially adults with like, I hate the word disability, but learning disabilities, we always like to think of it as like a different ability or an ability that we don't have yeah. um, in a positive light is how I would prefer to look at that. But I worked with adults in care for a wee while and then went on to work with kids with autism. Yeah. After that, I went on to work in like a children's secure unit. So children that were de- deemed as being a harm and risk to others and to wow. themselves. Yeah. So for about, that was maybe a collective three or four years I was working with adults and children, mostly children who were, you know, it was a, the constant exposure of poor mental health issues in kids, uh, poverty, um, crime, exposure to violence. It kind of got me thinking, I've learned a lot from this. Like the system we need, like people that are here for the whole humanitarian thing of it, that aren't systematic people. We need people that are like a little friendly lantern that's on for people to come in and they know it's not a procedure that they're going through. Yeah. And I began to kind of detach from um, wanting to work in those environments only because it was burning me out because it was constant go, 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 if I'm honest. And also it didn't really match with the whole um, ethos of what I had wanted to do when I finished my master's. It wasn't, it wasn't it, it wasn't the golden ticket for me. Yeah, yeah. So I quit my job. Wow. Like, I quit my job, I'll never ever forget it. Like, I went into work, handed in my keys, walked out the door and said, I phoned my dad crying, Dad, I've quit my job, I don't know what I'm going to do. And even though at that point I genuinely didn't know what I was going to do, like deep within I knew I'd done the right thing that some good things were about to come my way yeah three days later the pandemic hit and I had no job and as you know like the economy kind of just crashed yeah so I ended up working in a call center in my room at my mum's house uh for a bit which felt totally alien to all these big you know steps I'd been taking yeah, it felt definitely. like oh. but I did it and I did it with a big smile and I made friends out of it and managed again to see the kind of goodness in the situation eventually I got a job the job that I'm working in now with young people um, it's a job that I really really like um, it brings me a lot of joy and it's the perfect blend between allowing me to get the best out of my kind of humanitarian style when I work, but no deep exposure to really, really harsh realities yeah. of the system, yeah. as I would call it. Suppose that's where I ended up making the good shit guru because I realised that if I was going to make or do something with my degree, the only way forward for me was to make it very organic like from me made by me from the ground up yeah because nothing else that I'd experienced and it didn't feel natural it didn't feel 
like some of these kids knew they were coming into a system and I've made an, an environment now on Instagram. It's not just, it's not aimed, it's aimed at everyone. It's not aimed at kids, it's aimed at everyone because adults, a lot of adults are just, you know, you know, they've got stuff as well. They've got systematic pressures in their head. Yeah. So I really wanted to create a place on Instagram where your yoga instructors could come, your doctors, your psychologists, your, you know, you know, in school when the goths and the sort of <laughs> girls in pretty pink, they would never sit together. Yeah. I want a place where everyone sits together and is yeah. like, they're there for a shared goal. They're there to empower each other. They're there to be positive. And so far on the account, that is what I've had. I've had, you know, it's been beautiful to watch these totally different beings all being together and positive. And when they can't be positive, they're honest. They're, they've yeah. got integrity. And I love what I've created there. As you know, I'm, I'm now doing my diploma in... A spiritual life coaching and life coaching as well and that's because from the good shit guru I realized that the potential that I have needs to continue to be organic and it needs to be something that I've grown based on the gaps that I've seen as I've had all this experience so that's where we're at now we're, we're making big um, organic moves now your changing career is phenomenal because I was out of work for a couple of years because every job I went for, I was told I was overqualified and I would leave. So in the end, we put my new business together, myself and a friend of mine as a partnership, and we decided that we were going to help people with uh, intellectual disability and or mental health issues be able to communicate better for themselves. And there was, there's nothing like it out there. And because I've got a background as a counsellor and 30 years in uh, disability and I've studied behavioural uh, studies and the way people interact with each other, it was the perfect thing. And we only take 12 participants a day. Um, and when we're not in lockdown, we're full. When we're in lockdown, we're a bit reduced. But the feedback we get from people is, oh, I didn't know my son could express himself in the way he does or I didn't realise my daughter... Um, could lift her self-esteem and feel good about who she is. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm 50. We did that when I was, we started that when I was 47. So only the last few years. And I know it's hard, but you've mm -hmm. done the same thing. I mean, I can't imagine how you felt when you just quit and then COVID came and, you know, you've quit your job, you've got to move back with your mum and, uh, you're working in a call centre. I mean, you've said that you, you actually enjoyed it and you made friends, which is all, all to you, all power to you, because, you know, coming from where you've come with all that study, did you, did you ever feel like, what have I done? You know? Yeah. It, it mm -hmm. would have taken you a little bit of adjustment to go from being so qualified to them working, and there's nothing wrong with working in a call centre, but obviously you've got all these qualifications and then you've just gone, all right, well, I'm going to do this. I think, uh, yeah, there was like, yeah, the making friends and the, you know, at least I have a job during the lockdown, at least I'm doing this. But there was a deep sense of, but what next? I am so lost. Like, yeah, I'm so, you know, what's going on? What? And obviously as well, one of the things I wanted to speak about that's quite relevant to mention now 
I think the lockdown caused us all to start a reflective period. Definitely, yeah. And I sort of look back at the years and I think that's why I was able to quickly turn it around from, oh my goodness, I'm so lost to, well, I have a job and I'm making friends. And the reason was, is I faced adversity before where I've been lost. I was born with a cleft lip and palate. And throughout, so the way the school system works in the UK, we have seven years at primary school. Yep. And then six years at secondary school. And for a lot of primary school, I was really bullied. Um, And in all senses, in the physical sense and the taunting and teasing. And I really shut that off. I didn't talk about that for a while. It, it, It was almost like one of those things. It was a shame. It was a shame that I felt. And I was like, oh, you know, I need to push on. I've got an education to get. We're not dealing with that right now. But for you, I mean, that's, look, I understand where children are and how Mm -hmm. they don't understand. And when they don't understand something, I don't know if it's a coping mechanism to make fun of it, but I I can't imagine how you felt at school like that, you know, being different and saying that you felt shame about it, you know. You've done nothing Um, wrong and, and you're just trying to do your best and, yeah. I think it was, it was, I just didn't know why it was yeah. such a big deal. I didn't, I couldn't understand why that was going on. But rather than taking time to understand it, because it did deeply upset me at the time, yeah. I went into secondary school um, and for like the first two years was, was bullied again. And um, I reached a snapping point Um I was very big on trying not to like bully back or, you know, respond in a way that was aggressive. But on one occasion, I did respond. Um, there was an outburst of aggression. And I can assure you that after that day, I was never bullied again. Yeah. However, on the back of that, I didn't like in that moment yeah. who I was at that time. Because the person that I retaliated to, they they had fear, a feared look, a fearful yeah. look about them. And I realised at that point, I don't think I consciously realised it, but there was a certainly a subconscious realisation that the only way for me to progress through this is to be kind. And I didn't realise how much healing that would bring eventually but the only way I can get through this is to be kind to everyone. I don't want to be in part of a clique. I don't want to be in a group, right? I want to be kind. I want humanity to exist within me. I'll never let somebody be excluded. And I have carried that torch for my whole life. In a work environment, if I feel like somebody is like not part of the conversation, I will bring them in. And that is it's sad in a way because it came from deep deep painful hurting over the way that I got treated but you could look at the two sides of the coins I could have you know I could have chosen the the easy route to be you know aggressive and angered and spiteful and bitter where where would that have got me would I be here today telling you oh by the way 
um, I've got a master's in drugs and alcohol studies. I've worked in care. I've worked with young children that have got, you know, um, autism and, you know, mental health um, struggles. I wouldn't say that to you right now if I didn't take the harder route and smile through the pain and be kind through the pain. I would not be here to tell you that. I would be here telling you, I don't know what, but it wouldn't be this. And I suppose the reality of the situation is I never addressed any of the issues in school. I never looked back on them until very recently. Can I ask and how old you are now? I'm 26. Right. I've always said kind of along the years of my 20s, oh, I should probably go and maybe get a bit of therapy about that or I should probably go and do this, probably do I've done enough humanitarian now. Maybe I should look inwards, right? <laughs> but then there was always something else. Oh, no, but I'll do this. I'll go to this project. And yeah. I kind of wasn't ready for it. However, in December... Can I just say that what you, how you just put it before, I think was one of the most beautiful things I've heard someone say that they have been bullied from in the primary school. I'm sure I don't, I can't remember what you call it yeah, in England. Yeah. Um, and then in high school uh, or secondary school. And yes, you frightened someone and you saw the fear in their eyes when you hit back because you'd had enough. But to have that thought that you would treat everybody with kindness is just one of the most amazing things I've heard anyone say when you've had like five, six, seven years of that, of you being bullied, made fun of mm -hmm. the joke. Um, and for you to snap and say, or do whatever you do, and then re have that realization that this isn't me. I don't want this. I want to treat everyone kind because of what's happened to me. I want to be kind with everybody is just amazing. You know, like when you were telling me, I was holding back tears and I still feel like that because I think it is so cruel that children can treat other children the way they did with you. And it's nothing that you've done yourself. It's not like you've come into school and been rude to someone or horrible and then everybody's bullied you. You've been born with a birth defect that has been mm -hmm. fixed. But I've said this before, uh, they say that counsellors, psychologists, psychiatrists will always see a reason for why something's happened. And I can see that children are young, they don't understand. So, you know, we can make all those, uh, we can say all those things about children. However, uh, in some way, it would have been nice if when the child, say, went home and spoke to their parent and said, ha, ah, there's this girl at school and she's got a funny lip, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. If the parent had said, hang on a minute, look, you know, there's nothing wrong mm -hmm. with that girl. She's been born that way. She's doing her best to get through life. And it would be good mm -hmm. if you supported her. Now, wouldn't that be good if we could have that sort of supportive family dynamic happening so that someone like you that went through that doesn't have to go through that again? Because I'm sure it happens day in, day out on all different things. But for you, mm -hmm. and I'm going to let you talk again, but for you, what you said was one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard that you've been through all that and yet you're opening your heart with kindness and compassion and well done to you. Because as you say, you could have gone the other way. You could have left school. You could have gone into Easily. drugs, alcohol. Um, 
I don't know, you might have even not done that, but just become like a hermit and just did a, a day job. And I don't want anyone to look at me because even though you've you've had the um, left lip, so even though you've, you've had that fixed, you know, you could have mm-hmm. still felt like I don't want anyone to see me, you know, but I you haven't. What you said there, you know, it would be great if parents were to turn around and advocate when their children come home and say, but that's the thing, right? I don't think that children are doing that because I think, honestly, yeah, children um, don't know any better and, like, yes, they maybe are challenged when they see something that's different, whether that difference is good or bad or indifferent. They, they, They feel uneasy about it. But actually, I think what happens, especially as children get older, I think they're battling their own insecurities as well. Yeah. And I think really what happens is, well, mine was a scar right there in my face. So pick the pick the easiest option for yourself to project your own insecurities. And yeah. now as an adult, like I actually pity some of the people that said things to me because I know the lifestyles they're living now. I know that some of them aren't happy. And I know yeah. that some of them aren't um, have a, have an ambition and motivation, even though they bullied me. Like that actually saddens me because, like, I wouldn't want that. And also, it must mean that they maybe carried some deep insecurities that they haven't dealt with. I think the healing process of it all for me was kind of crucial. It, it, it couldn't be avoided any longer. I've actually really dealt with a lot of things this year. Back at Christmas time, I ended a long-term relationship. And it was at that point I thought I would be dealing with the normal process of a breakup, right? But me being me, I wanted there to be a blueprint of how I was getting through this. Yeah. So I googled a BuzzFeed article finding out that um, I think it was like seven, six or seven stages of um, grief, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, right, okay, seven, this sounds doable. This is going to be fine. And I think I thought it was at like stage three, right? At one point, I was like, oh, excellent. Stage three of seven. I'm doing really well here. This is brilliant. And then the next week I was back at stage two and I was like, no, this is ridiculous. Like, this thing is scientifically wrong. I'm not accepting this. And I went to see my sister and I said, Lauren, what's going on? I was at stage three of this blueprint and now I'm at stage two, so it's not working. And she literally looked at me as if I had two heads and said, Alice, healing is not linear. Yes. And literally that hit my chest. It hit my chest because I realised that a lot of my process of bullying, a lot of my process of many things I'd experienced in life, I applied the same structure of pushing forward as I had when I was being bullied. I was pushing forward, being kind, pushing forward, getting my um, studying for my exams, pushing forward, going to uni. And I realised that I treated healing like a linear fashion. You can't go back the way because that, that that's stage one, stage yeah. two. We're not at... And when she said that, I realised, oh, maybe I, maybe I need to go back to stage one or two. And that scared the 
I'm going to try not to swear, but th- insert a swear word scared me a lot. Yeah. Right. And I started with the least scary option to me. I hired a personal trainer. Yeah. Went to the gym and I thought, this will be fine. Serotonin, dopamine. Let's have you. Come on. <laughs> and what I didn't like account for is that doing all these weights and doing all the machines and feeling great physically, I didn't realize the other side that that was going to bring out with me. What happened was, you know, I started going to the gym and then I could see changes in the mirror and I was like, I like this person. This person's confident, started getting my hair done a lot more, nails done, and I could see some physical, something was happening mental, yeah. mentally. So eventually I said to myself, well, do you know, if you've got room to heal on the physical side and advance yourself physically, I think it's just about time you start, you stop the bull and you actually do something for yourself me- mentally. Yeah. And started going to therapy. Mm-hmm. Started going to therapy after, what, 20-odd years of the linear fashion. And over, and I'm smiling when I say this because initially therapy to me was like, no, not doing that. Yeah. But it birthed, it birthed a new way of looking at healing. And it was that actually it can be staggered. And the minute that you stop, you know, when you take away the pressure of time, and when you take away the pressure of, you know, any sort of linear fashion, what you actually do is you allow healing to become yours. It become it, like it is mine every single day, and it doesn't matter whether I wake up one day feeling absolutely empowered and ready to do my good shit guru stuff. That is great, but also on the days when I wake up and or oh, feel sad about something random that happened three years ago and six minutes ago. I realize, well, that's okay then. Let's just breathe into this. Like, why do I feel like this? What could I do to take myself out of this feeling? Do I need to maybe have a conversation with that version of myself? Do I need to meditate? Do I need to go and find like a positive person in my life that would listen to this and, you know, help me process through some of this? Do I need alone time? What is it that I need? And I'm now at the stage where... It's honestly, this is the bit that makes me emotional, but I am at a stage now where I know who I am right now. I know who I am. I have worked through, you know, so much this year. And I'm at a stage now where I know that I'm actually both humanitarian, but also humanitarian and loving to myself. Yeah. And they've now both come together for like, the first time in a long time and it's only by stopping and loving myself and learning myself and letting things not go not letting things go but letting things find a safe place to be where they don't dictate parts of my life yeah it's by doing that that's that's got me to here this is why I'm here to do that to do these kind things but I, I I can't do them without being kind to myself Definitely. So that's where I'm at now. It's a pretty good feeling. It's great. Okay, so you were just saying before how, you know, you did the physical side, went to the gym like two you were, started to feel stronger, and then you went on to 
therapy and you realize that therapy wasn't something that had to be rushed, that it takes time. Do you feel that you've actually worked on everything you needed to do through therapy or is there more you want to work on or are you, as you're going through therapy, actually finding more things that you want to work on? And that's not to say you've got a lot of mental issues. It's just that I think people don't understand when they go to a therapist, it's not you've got a mental issue. It's uh, it opens your mind up to a lot of different understandings that you didn't actually realise you needed to understand. I would say that I do have other things, yeah, and only because I really actually enjoy the process of yeah. healing. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, and I would never limit myself by saying, okay, no more therapy, all good to go, gold sticker. For me, it's like, no, um, whatever comes up will come up. Whatever whatever I need to talk about, I'll talk about. So I don't know where the road ends with that. All yeah. I know is I enjoy being on it. I enjoy the healing that comes from it. Um, I enjoy the you know being the authentic self um, on the back of, you know, as I said, adjusting the way that I look at things and, yeah. The healing process is mine anyway, so it doesn't yeah. matter for me if I need more of it, less of it, or no more of it. Um, I accept that the healing process is mine to have now, and it's quite a beautiful turnaround. Oh, it's amazing. Like, like um, what I said to you just before about you adopting kindness when things weren't great for you, um, I think you're going to be one of these spiritual, positive psychology, I think you're going to be one of these people that already listening to you now, you've inspired me a lot. You've made me think a lot. You've made me empathize with what you've been through. Um, but I think in the next couple of years, you're going to be someone that people are going to be drawn to and to listen to, because you said you were 26 and you've got such a wise head on your shoulders. And to come at most things with kindness is just is something absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I don't say that a lot to people, but you just really, the way you spoke about it so eloquently and believably, you know, I can see, I mean, the people at home can't see your face, but when you were talking about it, the emotion in your face, how you spoke, um, as I said to you, it nearly brought me to tears. And then you started talking about something that made me laugh, which was good because I don't know if <laughs> it would sound very good if I was just blubbering for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> but look, we were going to make this one about a half an hour one um, and you are going to come back and do a, another uh, podcast uh, in the next two to four weeks because you are a golden nugget of uh, inspiration and well, I'm really you. glad that we touched base and connected because I think yeah. a lot of people will really feel from your story and really love the way you are and who you are um, and that's an amazing thing. I really appreciate you having me here to discuss those things. And, you know, I hope that when people are pressing play on this podcast, that they feel the kindness that I'm spreading to them, even when I don't know who they are, right? Like for anyone listening to this, I hope kindness touches you today. And, yeah, I really appreciate you having me. Ellis, it, it's just been beautiful to hear someone speak so kind and yeah, just kindness after what you went through as a child and then, you know, losing, uh, giving up your job and not knowing what was going to go on. You 
show people that whatever happens to you, you can change your life around. Well, not change your life around. You didn't need to change it around, but you can adapt and be the person you want to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And you've shown that. I mean, look, you've got more diplomas, degrees, um, certificates than me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but you're also, you're not pushing that. It's like you've learned all these things and you've combined them all to just become the beautiful soul that you are. That's what I want to do and continue to do. Um, And as I say, um, I've created this safe space now on the Good Ship Guru. It's for everyone. It's for you, me, and every single other kind person out there, um, people that need healing, people that are in the process of healing, people that are healed. Um, every single walk of life is like welcome in there. It's like a well-lit room with like wee lanterns and a nice armchair, <laughs> and everyone has a space on that chair. Everyone has a space. Wonderful. Well, look, I'm going to be going through uh, your Instagram and having a look at some of your stuff. And I'm going to repost some of it onto my Instagram because I think you need more people following you, more people listening to what you're saying, because I think when you speak like you do, um, it can create a, a better place for everybody on the planet. And that's one of the reasons I started the podcast. I wanted people to have a resource that they didn't have to pay for where people could connect with each other, where people could learn ideas. Cause my yeah. philosophy is if I can, uh, if one person can take one small piece of uh, information from a podcast and then spread it to a few other people, it creates a change on everyone. And, and that's what mm-hmm. I want to do. I want people to look at each other and see the good in each other rather than, Oh, look at you. You're doing this. You're doing that. We need to create a more safe space like you're doing and a more positive space where people feel okay to open up about whatever issue they have. When I first started this podcast, I didn't say about my age. Um, I didn't say about any illnesses I had. And then I realized, well, I'm here to be open and honest with people. So if I'm open and honest, there's nothing to hide. And then I can talk to them about anything and they mm-hmm. won't feel so, oh, I've guarded, I've got to keep this back because my information's all out there. There's nothing that people don't know about me. And I, I'm just so overwhelmed actually by our conversation here. And I can't wait to have mm-hmm. you back again because your positivity from where you talk, it's good. It's really good. I can't wait to be back. Yeah, I really appreciate being on today. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ellis. She's the good shit guru. And if you've just heard her talk, you know why she's the good shit guru, because she talks good shit and uh, she's compassionate, full of kindness, and is going to change the world. So thank you so much for joining me. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you want to contact us, we're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a website, lifechangesyou.com.au. So until next time, take care of each other, and thanks for listening.